0: You need to have good standards and definitions around the data. Um, and then ideally, you have systems that are designed to make it easy for that data to go in correctly, uh, you know, that have whether that's, you know, auto filling responses or whether it's immediate, you know, just the way our phones. Uh, I, I know my phone looks for redundant contacts and says, hey, it looks like you have two contacts that are the same. Would you like to merge them? It's so easy. And yeah. I just say, yes, and I love, I love it. <laughs> to me, that's like the magic of what technology and and digital should do for us. It should make our lives easier every
1: day. What will you do to
0: unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges.
1: Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vending, and today I have Cindy Kellam with me. She's the Global Head of Digital Customer Experience and Marketing Data, Insights and Analytics at TE Connectivity. I've been looking so much forward to this episode because we're going to talk about customer experience and the data and digital transformation, and it's just such an, interest, an interesting topic. So, Cindy, welcome. I, I know, you know, we're here today. I'm so excited that um, not all the listeners, they know you. So if you could just give like a short introduction of yourself, I think that would be that would be a great beginning.
0: Sure. Thanks, Sana. So uh, again, my name is Cynthia, and I work at a company called TE Connectivity, which is a global industrial technology company. We design and manufacture sensors and connectors that go into all kinds of applications, uh, e-mobility, automated factory, electric vehicles, etc. And I head up a digital customer experience, and data and insight center of excellence at TE. And I've been there about 10 years. Um, prior to this, I've been in a number of different industries, financial services, uh, healthcare, uh, health, health benefits. Uh, and yeah, I'm really enjoying my ride currently in industrial technology.
1: Awesome, yeah. So there's a lot of customer experience here. I can, I can already, I can already hear it. So um, <laughs> let's let's get the. I always like to start with the, like the definition. So you know, digital transformation is all over, right? It's a buzzword, but it's also really important. Um, and it's not that we're googling and saying this is the definition, but I would like to hear your definition of how you know how do you see the the whole digital transformation within you know the industry you're in.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I when I think about digital transformation. Um, it is about, um, optimizing and maximizing our use of digital capabilities to uh, both uh, operationalize and do our jobs internally, as well as in how we deliver experiences to our customers every day. And so it is about uh, both kind of digitization of data and of process uh, and using systems, and also the kind of digitalization of experience um, and, uh, and, again, process that we might do every day. So Um, I know the word transformation suggests something very grand, but in my experience, transformation is really about uh, small steps and progress every day to take advantage of the amazing technologies that are around us and that continue to advance every day, Um, whether that's automation, whether it's machine learning and AI, um, or even the types of channels that we might leverage, like uh, thinking about uh, alerting and and text messaging in addition to email, right? Those are all examples of advancements in technology that have changed kind of how we think about the possibilities with regards to digital and digital experience or digital experience um, and customer experience enablement
1: yeah so it all starts with like data collection and, and also understanding your your processes right so so how how did you start on it and how you know how is the how how have you involved in, in everything
0: yeah that's a good question so I um you know my background is uh in user experience design so that's how I first found my way into this industry and I happened to be at a company that Already had pretty good data in the systems. It was a pharmacy benefit company, and we had great access to highly standardized, normalized, regulated data about the uh, about our our B two B customers, right? The, the big companies that were leveraging the prescription benefit uh, programs and uh, plans, as well as the end customers who were filling their prescriptions every day. And so uh, when we were coming up with new ways to serve those customers or to deliver great customer experiences, we didn't have to worry all that much about the quality of the data. And of course, um, there's always privacy regulations you have to concern about, think about, but the quality of the data or the completeness of the data was not a concern. Um, we were able to really focus on instead, how do we leverage this data to create experiences that are useful uh, and are, that are high value for our customers as well as for our business model? Um, but as I moved into different industries and, and, and most recently, as I entered into industrial technology manufacturing, um, we uh, I learned that kind of a bigger hurdle was actually that foundational data and having high quality, standardized, normalized data Um, In my, uh, in where I focus, one of our key audiences are engineers. And some of the most important ways we can serve engineers is by providing them with comprehensive information about products, so that they can make good design and decisions and feel confident that they're choosing a product that meets all of their requirements from a form fit function perspective, but also from a commercial perspective, if they're working on a new design. And, and what we found was that You know, we might have a a great page design that could provide great data to an engineer. But if that data didn't exist in the back end system in a standardized, governed way, didn't matter what the web design template looked like. It wasn't going to deliver on that engineer's needs. And so that was my kind of a number of years back. My first experience was really, really comprehending and, and understanding the act- core essential role that data plays in every single customer experience. And of course, in this example, if that data doesn't exist in a system and you can't deliver it to your end customer on a website, you also can't serve it up to a customer service rep so that they can give it to a customer. You also can't serve it up into even to other internal engineers who may need that data to think about how to create new solutions or develop new applications for end customers, and so it it gave me a way to start really learning about and thinking more holistically about the total ecosystem that goes into delivering customer experiences. And to me, again, data sits right at the center, um, and we uh, we see it we see it every day. Um, and I think the other thing I comment on is that you know we we uh, a lot of um, executives might or even customers right they see the superficial issue of the web page and sometimes there can be a an assumption that the problem is with a design of a page and sometimes it is <laughs> um but uh Many times, it's much more layered than that. Uh, You know, again, it takes a lot of different players and doing a lot of different pieces of work, whether it's data or process or people, in addition to the technology that ultimately make up that end customer experience.
1: Yeah. But you also see it, that's what I'm hearing as well, right? It is a win-win, right? Because if you're solving your customer's need, right, or what they're looking for internally in the company as well, you're actually serving solutions how to find this information as well if anybody's calling customer service or if it's sales, right? So it's a win-win for the whole company.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we've done some customer, we did some research where we actually did end customer research to understand key pain points and kind of map their customer journey. Uh, and then we did some research internally with our sales team and our customer care organizations to understand their uh, pain points and opportunity areas. And in many in most cases, I would say, they are directly they're aligned it's the same problem it's they're yeah. just seen from two different angles and at the core of it data is almost always a piece <laughs> a piece of the problem yeah. um, and it's hard to fix data it takes a lot of work enterprise data strategy is challenging master data strategy is challenging um, fixing data uh, can be um, can be hard work. Um, I, have a, I have a good colleague who describes it as shoveling mud because it kind of feels like, you know, you're constantly doing the work and it just keeps happening. But it's absolutely essential. And in this digital age, uh, it, is, it is more essential than ever.
1: Yeah. I always also look at if you have like bad data in, right, it's bad data out. So you also need to be sure that you clean the data. Uh, just if you shovel from one end to another <laughs> you have to be sure that it it's it's actually good good data and you have to spend time cleaning it up it's not fun but you have to do it
0: yeah, those processes, uh, you know, well, first of all, you need you need to typically need teams to be using the systems in the first place. So, for example, uh, if, you, if you have Salesforce and that t- happens to be a place where you manage customer data, yeah. uh, then in order to have good customer data, you need your employees to use Salesforce in the first place to, ca- to capture it there. Um, and then you need to have good standards and definitions around the data. Um, and then ideally, you have systems that are designed to make it easy for that data to go in correctly, yeah. uh, you know, that have whether that's, you know, auto filling responses or whether it's immediate, you know, just the way our phones. Uh, I, I know my phone looks for redundant contacts and says, hey, it looks like you have two contacts that are the same. Would you like to merge them? It's so easy. And yeah. I just say yes. And I, lo- I love it. <laughs> to me, that's like the magic of what technology and, yeah. and digital should do for us. It should make our lives easier every day
1: definitely so what about too much data right because i you can also see companies that, that if they're like dipping their toe and saying oh you know we need to be on this digital transformation but they're overwhelmed and saying i'm i, I can just see it coming down like this mountain right drowning in in data so what's what's your advice you know how do you start and how do you navigate in it
0: yeah i mean it's uh, it's uh, it's Important to start with specific use cases. So start from the customer back or from the business value back. So if it ha- if it's data that's enabling a customer experience, start with very specific use cases. And it's really important to uh, ma- you know manage scope creep and stay focused on that on on where you started um, and to finish the job and make sure that you're uh, impacting the outcomes that you're looking to achieve. And same on the um, business side. So if you're really focused on data for the purposes of um, key insights or for automation or what have you, um, yeah. define the use case. Uh, ideally, customer back, customer and business value back, and then focus just on that scope because it it is like sometimes we describe as peeling the onion. Peeling the onion, right? You see the one piece of data, and then you see this other and you other, um, and so it's just very important to be pretty strict about maintaining that scope um to uh, fo- really focus in on the key outcome and use case that you're uh that you're that you're focused on and it doesn't mean you won't ever get to those other pieces it's just you can't do it you can't boil the ocean and with data it, it's easy to get lost and stuck in a feeling like you're trying to boil the ocean mm-hmm. um i also uh, one other tip i guess i would offer is um is to always start with it, to me two parallel paths, uh, start with at least one path, which is a cleanup. So even if yeah. you're going to be doing a cleanup and you might, and you know that if all you do is cleanup, you're going to have to do it again the next year and then again the next year, at least start with that because it immediately clears away kind of the the dead leaves or the things that you don't need to be paying attention to. And the less cluttered it is, the more you can actually see where the true opportunities are. So always, always have a cleanup happening at the same time as you're working on kind of more of that long-term strategic um, uh, uh, improvement, which probably is a which probably requires a combination of people process and technology. uh, but to me, you really should do both. If you try to just do the strategic piece, you're always going to be waiting in this sea of data that has a lot of stuff that's irrelevant and it's going to be distracting and make it harder to see uh, the, the the progress you're making. So I always recommend doing those two things at the same time.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, I want to talk about like self service website um, because I've, I think what we see like personal, right? If I go to any websites and if I'm shopping, right, it's the self service, right? You can, you can buy it. You can, you can see now it's been shipped. If you want to return it, you go in, you get the QR code. There's a lot of self service to, to a certain point. Um, how much is that coming in now to the B2B and in and, and the whole electronic industry?
0: Oh, gosh. So this is uh, this is the the I would think the biggest change that's been happening over the past, probably five, but really more like 10 years. And I think there's been more attention paid to it uh, due, as a result of COVID. But it it really and, and COVID accelerated the, this change that was happening, but uh, yeah. it didn't it didn't cause the change. Um, and that is that uh, B2B customers, including B2B customers in our space and in industrial technology manufacturing, want to self-serve. And in fact, uh, kind of mo- most recent data from McKinsey and Gart- Gartner uh, point, have they've been watching these trends for a while. I think the most recent data I've seen from Gartner shows that over 55, over 50% of millennial, which is under age uh, 43, 43 and under um, millennials, so B2B buyers that are millennials, um, want to self-serve at every step of the customer journey. Yeah. Uh, meaning, they don't want to interact with uh, a human. They don't want to interact with a human to go through the sales process, through the uh, sur- uh, onboarding, whatever it may be. They want it to be self-service at every every stage. Um, and the way I think about self-service is, it self-service is digital. Anything that's digital that doesn't have a, a you know human directly engaging on the other side um, is is self-service. And so, um, whether that's a customer learning about your company, doing product selection and evaluation, um, becoming a customer, placing an order, checking order status—you know, whatever it may be. Uh, more and more of our customers want to uh, want to, or at least have the option of doing those things entirely through self-service. And of course, self-service also doesn't need to be just on a website. It could it could be IVR on the phone. It could be more of a of a technology behind a a, a phone tree that helps make it easier for the customer to get to someone that's going to help. All of those things are uh, self service and automation go go really well together.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. So how I think habits as well, right? Changes. So, so how do you make sure that you are actually at, are on top on on if if habits change in the in the engineering environment or in the in engineering community?
0: Uh, yeah, so um, we spend a good amount of time uh, on customer research and customer insight, uh, and that comes from a number of different sources. So we do customer research through conversation and and interviews with our with our end customers. Um, We spend a lot of time looking at uh, trends and insights that we can uh, more from analytics perspective that come in through uh, voice of customer feedback or even the conversations that are happening with our sales and customer care teams directly with customers. Um, we do spend a lot of time on uh, more competitive analysis. So looking at what our peers are doing, but also not just our peers, but like adjacencies where, uh, because in in some cases, uh, you know, certainly others in other industries are maybe a little bit in front of where we are in the industrial technology manufacturing space when it comes to customer experience. Mm -hmm. And we know that at the end of the day, uh, human behavior. It's not like I behave one way in B2B. And then when I'm in my job and then I leave my job and I behave a different way when I start uh, shopping, <laughs> right? I mean, behavior is behavior and preferences, typically preference. And if your preference is that you don't want to pick up the phone to talk to someone, cause you'd rather multitask and do it online. Yeah. That typically carries through whether you're at work or at home. Um, and that's, and that's what's changing. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really important to spend to to dedicate a good portion of time to those outside in insights and be open to uh, the understanding of that human behavior. And that that, again, it's not it doesn't vary all that much um, by role or industry because it, it kind of is what it is, regardless of what job you might have during the day.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And I just told you right before we start recording, right? That I I had an experience where I called, I think it actually was a bank or something. And it was like, oh, you can actually, you know, what you're asking, right? Because I was pressing through number two, number three, whatever, you know, and they were like, you can do it online. And I'm like, I tried online already, right? It didn't, I couldn't do it. I have to talk to a person and it can be frustrating. And this is just in like day-to-day life that I have, you have to spend so much time to get through to a person. Um, So I'm, I'm waiting for that day where everything opens up a little bit easier, where you can skip and saying, I did try everything online. (laughs) Get me
0: to that. Well, I mean yeah and I I think you mentioned it was financial services I mean some financial services company if they have the right tracking and mechanisms they even know that you that you just five seconds ago tried to do something on the website and you couldn't And they can let you skip ahead and get right to a person because you already tried the self-service piece, right? I mean, that would be ideal uh, is that you have enough of that data and insight and tracking aggregate level, what have you, uh, you know, privacy rules uh, followed and all of those things to be able to really provide that highly personalized experience just for you based on knowing you, you know, you went through these steps and uh, now you're at this stage or this point, decision point
1: yeah where where do i get yeah where everything stops right and get frustrated no <laughs> yeah but you know so that i think there's room for improvement and i think that's important as well right even in your day to day but you have to look at your own industry as well or where you work that there is always improvements in on on, on this area um yeah I- you know
0: i i Oh, go oh ahead. sorry. I was just going to add on that. I think uh, just conversation I most uh, often have is, I think, and to the point you were making about feeling like it got, gets harder and harder to get to a human, is that the idea behind self-service is not to eliminate the human-to-human interaction. The idea behind self-service is to enable it and make sure it's an av- it's available for customers when, when they want it. Yeah. Um. And more customers are wanting it more often. Yeah. And so... Um, and ideally, that's what you would opt. I mean, from a business perspective and from a productivity perspective, why wouldn't you want to optimize around those digital experiences so customers can choose self-service when they want it as often as they can and be successful? But yeah. it doesn't mean doing away with the human interactions. In a lot of cases, those human interactions are what really differentiate and can help differentiate a, a business and their service offering. But um, but I mean, again, for the most part, where, uh, where we're falling behind is on that self-service piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think also you have to look at it as maybe you remove some of the friction, right? You make it as an option. Um, and saying hey this is the way you can go in and, and solve of course <laughs> my bank problem I couldn't solve everything but <laughs> you can solve a, a lot of you know this self-service right you can actually get the information or see what's happening and then you can take it to to, to the next to the next level um but again I, I can only agree with you saying with, with talking to a person sometimes that is the that is the secret sauce right of that customer service but again it has to be made easy um you don't have to retell your story every time you call in and talk to a person no <laughs> yes we also been there um i also <laughs> want to talk about skill set because with all this digital transformation right i'm i'm sure that gives some kind of i don't know if the word is pressure uh but it it gives some expectation if you either hire in or you reskill you know within you know who you have in your company um so have have that been a challenge for for where you are in in, in today
0: uh of course. So I think skill set talent is always is a challenge that many com- companies are thinking about. And um, I would say that the um, when I'm thinking about just from a digital transformation leadership perspective, that one of the areas where we see a lot of gaps are really just around change or around change management. So around kind of the the pro- the practice of um, strong communications and relationship building, and providing a clear uh uh clear description of the value and the outcome that comes that uh, will be achieved through the change uh and working continuously to move people along on that journey um, and it's really hard work and it's uh and in I think in this in this new world where a lot of us work remotely, we're not in person together as often as we used not in you know, physically in person together as as much as we uh, used to be. It can be a little bit harder. Relationship building can be harder for folks that may not be as comfortable reaching out to someone that they haven't had just the opportunity to run into in the hallway. And so I think that that's an area where, in particular, we're seeing um, just the need to continue to really focus on developing talent and skill sets and coaching around um, around change management. And, um, and then just basic uh, use of digital platforms and capabilities. Again, we've got a lot of teams and staff that may be accustomed to doing things on spreadsheets uh, and uh, doing things in ways that that don't align to the opportunity of digitization and digitalization. And so um, I think that's where some of the training and reskilling needs to happen as well. But to me, that's not again, that's that's not as hard as just the change management piece, right? Getting leadership teams engaged and aligned and interested, uh, helping folks understand the common objective and the common uh, outcome that they can achieve um, and having them row together in the same direction. Uh, and also not get distracted because uh, I know we describe I might have described data as being a place where you can kind of um, try to be try to boil the ocean. But actually, that happens in digital in general, because typically there are so many opportunities mm-hmm. and you have to be really focused in order to make progress and to see the value uh, quickly. And so that's that's another place. Um I think the last thing I would call out from a skill upskill or talent perspective is more the leadership mindset and the comfort with um different types of risks. So being comfortable with um uh with uh making investments around bets that don't have a kind of sure thing return associated with them. So the way I've described this before is that you know, if you manage a plant, then you may know if I add this many people or I've had this much material or this type of machining, I will get XYZ return, right? If I do this, then I will get this. I, you know, it's not a question. Uh, and that's a pretty easy bet to make, you know, exactly what you're going to get. But when you're investing in digital transformation or customer experience, it is definitely not. You don't you don't know what you're going to have to put in to get to the outcome, <laughs> um, and and so instead you're asking people to invest in the outcome. You're saying what is this outcome worth, and then you're asking folks to put their trust and their investment in in people, uh, in skilled people, and in those that talent's ability to achieve the outcome, regardless of what it may take. And that is very different, and I mean, it is just especially very different. I, I my my experience has been very different for leaders in tr- manufacturing spaces or you know industrial manufacturing spaces. It's just not as and it's not as comfortable of a space to make a to make a bet. So um, so I think it's less actually about the skill sets of you know uh, of folks doing the work, and it's it's a little bit more at that leadership level. I think actually where we have more work to do around. Um, uh, training and uh, skill set adaptation and uh, and talent.
1: Yeah. Oh definitely. So um if you look at you know have to look at yourself, right? And saying Cindy, what kind of advice could I give myself like 10 years ago? I know it's a tough question. What what will you what will your advice be?
0: So I have, I have two things that I think I would um advise myself. One is just to be bolder and be more bold in how I was make maybe pre- presenting my point of view. Um, when I reflect back, there was a period of time where I, I, got a lot of feedback that I thought I was being very direct and sharing my perspective and my point of view. And I, and I got, and I, but I was receiving feedback that in coaching that it did, wasn't coming across that way. So I wish I had maybe got, knew that even sooner in my career and was a little bit more strident and sharing my point of view, um, and felt more confident about doing that. I think. Um, the other thing I would advise myself to do is that 10 or, or maybe you know, 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> if we go back a little further, I would say that I wish I had spent more time on the relationship building. Um, because I, I think when I started my career, I was very heads down, I was very focused on delivery and what I could do. Uh and um, you know, very hard driving. And I I don't think I spent enough time lifting my heads up head up to see what more I could accomplish by building my network and forming relationships. And at the end of the day, this transformation, you can't do it by yourself. You need, you need a whole ecosystem and of people yeah. and yeah. and advocates and promoters. And so I wish I'd learned that much earlier on that I should have been spending more of my time building those relationships uh and in building kind of uh teams of uh of of uh and colleagues that would work on the mission together instead of trying to do it by myself.
1: Yeah. Oh, good advice good advice It's I, I always love to ask this question because you it's always it's always easier to reflect right and saying oh yeah this is what i should have done or if you're in a meeting later saying oh this is how should i answer um so it, and I, I think it it makes you I also think when you do this kind of reflection it makes you proud as well to say hey yeah even though i didn't do it at that time look at you know where you are now um, and you actually had that reflection so you have changed you have done your own transformation right And how about you?
0: What what would you have you shared? What would you share? What would you uh, tell your yourself?
1: Now I'm getting on on the hot chair here. Um, I no, I I can I can agree with you, you know, with with the opinion uh, or, you know, speaking up and and saying, hey, you know, this is it. And then what I've learned from that and what I'm doing now, I'm actually asking a lot of why, even if I've been in the company for many years or less years, I keep asking and saying why. And then if I get an answer, I'm saying, why that? going further and further in, because sometimes it's just of that, oh, we've always done it like this way. Um, so being more bolder of asking the the why question, even though, you know, wherever you are in that organization, um, to show that it, it's, it's okay to ask the why. And I should have done that much earlier as well, right? It's always like... Yeah, what should you have done? But, uh, but it's it, but I'm and another one, I think now I'm like starting here. Um, I've been <laughs> out of college. No, I was like, you know, I got my master in mechanical engineering. I was like, oh, done. Right. No more learnings. Not, maybe not. That's the way I said it. But, but yeah. now over the last many years, right? I like, I'm like learning so much, but of course, in a different way, but I love it because i can see how that i'm growing um so that's something you know i'm really teaching my kids to saying yeah yeah you get out of high school you get out of college but it never stops you have to you know you have to have that spirit or or that passion to keep learning yeah, so, yeah that's a great one that's mine so if anybody wants to to reach out to you of of the listener how how can they connect with you so probably my
0: li- LinkedIn is the you know feel free to direct message me. Um, that's a great way to to get in touch and connect. And I love to connect with people and um, you know uh, check out I guess some of my posts and stuff if you're if you're interested. There's a video up there. Uh, the how Sana and I met at an event uh, from the ECIA conference. And yeah, that's that's the best way.
1: Perfect. And I'll put it in the show notes and I will also put it on the mindinnovation.com. There will be an episode page. So I'll, I'll make sure your, your connection there for LinkedIn is, is right there. So, Cindy, thank you so much. I think this is just, you know, the whole transformation, the digital, you know, customer experience, the data, you know, I, I think it's a topic that will go on for many, many, many years. Um, and I will still get up in the red, you know, area when I can't a person from the bank. But that's just <laughs> me. But thank you. So I don't much. know. That.
0: Yeah, next time Sana it might be chat GPT answering answering your phone call when you call,
1: right? Yeah. Always <laughs> the next thing for us to be watching out for. Santa will be will be, you know, they'll call me Santa because that's how they see my name. They will never spell it right. So
0: <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind the Innovation Podcast. New episode at Dropping By Weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vinding. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind Innovation, or go to my website, SantaVinding.com or MindInnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning.